we we are literally we are in a place where many of the battles that we face are going to be a lonely battle. We talked this morning about the battlefield uh, that we're in with our families and um, a lot of that fight, even though we have family here at church, a lot of that fight may be behind closed doors of homes and you may find yourself lonely. It feels like you're, as the old songwriter said, going up the rough side of the mountain. You're doing it all alone. Uh, some uh, are lonely you're physically, emotionally, spiritually lonely. And uh, so tonight I want to kind of deal with that. And we're going to use Luke chapter number 4 as our text. We're just going to read verse number 1. And then I'll give you some illustrations to start us off and then get into the message. And uh, I, I do want to be short tonight. And so um, y'all pray for me. All right. Uh <clears throat> Despite how blessed I was this morning, I'm wore out because I preached at least an hour this morning. Somebody say amen right there. And so uh, that may have been hard on y'all's hinder parts, but it was hard on my upper parts as well. And so uh, we'll try to hurry through tonight. Luke chapter number 4, verse number 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy... <sighs> and Jesus... <laughs> being full of the Holy Ghost, oh, you have to help me, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I want us to get this now. Jesus is full of the Holy Ghost. He returned from the Jordan. He was just baptized. He just just heard from God His Father. He was full of the Holy Ghost, and by the Spirit He was led into the wilderness. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your grace and your mercy tonight as we try to preach your word. God, we pray for that heart here tonight that's tired and they're weary and they're lonely. Lord, maybe it's a man or it's a woman. Maybe it's a young lady or a young man. God, they feel like they're in some battles all by themselves. God, we pray you'll help us, Lord, as we try to preach on this giant of loneliness. Lord, give us strength in our bodies God, I pray you'll give us unction and utterance. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I want us to picture a, a few things today. First, I want us to picture a middle-aged man, maybe around 40 to 50 years old. He's sitting at the breakfast table all by himself. And in the early morning hours, he has brewed only one cup of coffee. Every morning before this, he has brewed two cups of coffee. Now he sits by himself and he carries a new title that he's never had before and that was a widower. His wife is gone and he's all alone. There's a college young lady, a freshman. She checks her mailbox every day and she hopes to find some letter from home. But disappointed, she goes away empty. She longs for connections from friends and from family back home, no matter how short of a distance it may have been. And her world seems to have changed so much between a few miles. And now the friends that she held close and dear to her heart, they seem to never call. They seem to never reach out. There's an elderly woman. She's sitting in a chair in one room that now has become her home. 
<clears throat> she's reduced to a lifetime of possessions that each carries a memory to a few significant items that she's arranged in that one room. She sits patiently and looks out the window. She hopes to see a familiar car pull into the yard. There's a man in the prime of his life. He's got talent, strength, readiness to work. And he finds that days are now turning into weeks and weeks are turning into months, waiting for a phone call to ring and say that somebody wants to hire him. The loneliness of unemployment can be understood completely, it seems, only by those that have experienced it. Even those that we think should be the most connected are often the ones that struggle with the reality of loneliness. I've I've read about a few well-known people, well-loved people, that their outgoing attitude has always been one that tends to attract people, but behind all of the facade of happiness, they are weak and they are withering inside. And many times they're depressed, but loneliness can be described and ascribed to them. Albert Einstein said, It is strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. If If I can say this with no ill intent to the Dent family, I can remember speaking to Brother Dent over the years and him confiding, Brother David, of how lonely he was. And, uh, but how well loved he was, far and wide, by people that held him to high standards, but they never reached out, they never called, they never wrote, they never visited. There's an illustration by the ABC News some years ago that reported that they had done a nine-year-old, a nine-year study and the researchers found that loneliness has a greater impact on death than smoking, drinking, eating, or even a lack of exercise. The study found that people who felt isolated and alone had a death rate twice as high as those with strong social ties. I'm going to be preaching here in a minute. I'm just setting the, the tone of where we're at tonight. Isol- this bless my heart. Isolation, loneliness, was the first thing that God recognized that was not good. Think about that for a minute. Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> God said, you don't need to be alone, Adam. I'll just make somebody for you. And, and I'll just try to help some of y'all that are looking. God's got somebody for you. I need some mamas and daddies to say amen right there. God's got somebody. You might, you might be 40 years old when I think of Brother Dwayne Moore. We was talking about him the other day. He was in his 40s before he even found Miss Melissa. And Lord, they're a match made in heaven, but he was two years from dying. I'm telling you, he was an old man. I don't know how old Miss Melissa is, but, but I tell you what, people would have said, well, you're an old maid, or well, you're, you're never gonna be, and, and I just kinda chalked it up as nobody really likes Brother Dwayne. But then he found Melissa, and God just blessed and changed. But God's got somebody for you, and so, so don't, don't give up and don't rush in. But at the heart of loneliness is a desire to be connected. 
It's a longing to hear a word from someone. <coughs> to, be, to be seen as significant. To be recognized. To be remembered. To be counted. To be known. So what do you do when you're all alone? What do you do when you're facing a giant of loneliness? Can y'all hear me? Y'all, y'all feel me tonight? Alright, now listen. I'm going to give you these three things and I'm going to the house. Might be four. I'm not as good as counting as Brother David. You cracked me up this morning when you was talking about all those numbers and stuff. I thought, man, they think I'm crazy. He's, he's, he's crazy deep down inside. Mine's on the surface. And I was eating it up that you were giving some of those secrets away. Y'all missed it if you weren't in Sunday school. It's a blessing. Maybe that's where the blessing of today happened. Brother David shed some of that. And he's like, I'm crazy too, but y'all just don't know it. <coughs> so, <clears throat> number one, we're talking about the, the giant of loneliness. Number one, recognize that you are there by God's design. Y'all think about that for a minute. Notice our text. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led into loneliness. Nick, here's Andrew Murray that you and I were just talking about. He was a missionary to South Africa. He knew what it was like to submit to the leading of the Holy Ghost when in difficult and trying wilderness settings, he felt like he was all alone. But listen to what he said. He spoke of God and he said, He brought me here. It is by His will I am here. I will rest in this. He will keep me here in His love and give me grace to behave as His child. He will make the trial a Woo! He will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons He intends for me to learn. In good time, He will bring me out again, how and when He knows. So let me say, I am here by God's appointment. I am here in His keeping. I am here under His training, and I am here for His time." Well, that don't stir something in you by facing this giant of loneliness. If God has put you there, honey, just hang on. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But if you're facing a giant of loneliness, know that God is there with you. And it's His design that you are there. I have no problem. Matter of fact, I encourage you to ask why. I believe we have a prime example of asking why. Jesus did it on the cross. Why hast thou have no problem? But listen to this statement. Asking why is seldom fruitful. Just because we ask why doesn't mean that God's going to tell us. It's seldom fruitful even though it's perfectly human. It's also a an acceptable response as long as we don't demand an answer and we get belligerent with God. However acceptance of God's design is always beneficial, even when the circumstances and the outcomes are unclear. Why, God, am I in this battle? Why am I facing this giant? And God answers with a, you don't need to know right now. God answers with an actual reason. God tells you why you're there, but you must accept His answer, no matter how clear 
or vague it is, you must listen to God. When God removes from us those sources, those things that are good for us, He is doing it for a purpose. It is maybe not to be permanent, but it is to be purposeful. He may not, I think of, I think of Jasper when he was in the hospital. We were all excited because he was going to get, he was going to get food at different stages. And then, and then they would see a problem, brother Bobby, and they would take that away from him. And, and to me, it was almost like a step back. But oh, glory. They knew what they were doing. They had a purpose for removing that which was good for him. It may not have, we may not have understood it. We may not have realized the benefits of it, but it was for a purpose. And sometimes in our lives, church, God removes things that are good, but He does it for a purpose. It may not be for permanence. It may just be for a while. But it's always for a purpose. I want you to listen to this. Mark chapter number 1, verse number 11 and 12. Listen to the suddenness that Mark recorded. And there came a voice, this is the same passage, but it's in Mark chapter number 1. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Boy, howdy. In other words, in other words, your, your son or your daughter comes and they ask for an embrace and, and you embrace them and you bless them and you cry with them, you pray for them and then you drive them away and say, now get away, go to a wilderness place. That's, that's the essence of Mark's writing and what we read here in Luke chapter four, verse number one. It is an, an alarming suddenness here in this passage. But then we think about some old saints. In Exodus chapter number 2, Moses thought that he would free the, the Hebrews, the Jews, from their bondage. But the next day he was driven into Midian. And he stayed there for quite a few years. He was told by God through the burning fiery bush. He, he said, hey, uh, you're going to deliver my people. I am. And then you turn the page and he's in Midian. In fear of his life. Elijah, he no doubt thought he was fixing to see revival there in Israel. Oh, what, what, what was it? Mount Moriah? Is that what it was? Uh, um, Mount Carmel, excuse me. But then the next chapter, we find that he is now fled and he's at the brook all alone, depending on the ravens and depending on God. He had just seen God's mighty hand and now he's in the wilderness all alone. In Galatians chapter number 1, we find that Paul in Acts chapter number 9 was saved, gloriously saved. But we find that as soon as he was saved, somewhere along the line, he was sent into Arabia for three years all by himself. There was no discipleship. It was him and God. All of a new convert. Nobody to help him. But it was there that God and God's Spirit began to work on him and show him the revelations that we have in Paul's epistles. Three years he was in the wilderness. Three years, Brother Jody, he was alone. He was lonely. But in those three years, God did a work. All of these experiences were by God's designs. 
God permitted the isolation. He permitted the temptation, not the solicitation to do evil, but the testing, the temptation there. And he designed its very place in the wilderness. Number two, we need to rest in who is there with you rather than regret who is not. He says in our text, and being full of the Holy Ghost, he was led. Being full of the Holy One of the blessings of finding yourself in the wilderness is the recognition of who it is that is with you. You see, Brother Jody, if you and I uh, were sent into the wilderness in separate times, in separate directions, uh, our families would not be there, our friends, our churches would not be there, but you would be in your wilderness of loneliness, I would be in mine. And even though we knew that there, there was someone else in the same condition, we were dealing with it ourselves in loneliness. And so our lesson tonight is is to not focus on who is not there with us. My wife is not there. My children are not there. This person or that, the, the things of this world that I have grown so accustomed and attached to are not there. But rather the lesson is to remember who is there. Somebody help me. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said, I will, Isaiah, he said, I'll be with you in the flood and I will go through the fire, vice versa, whatever it may be. He says, I will not leave you. Being full of the Holy Ghost, it says, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. John chapter 14, verse number 16, 17 and 18 says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Abide means to dwell continually. (coughs) Verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him. (laughs) I'm glad I know Him. I'm Girls, Nathan, I'm glad He knows my name, but I'm glad I know Him. Amen. He says, But ye know Him, for He dwelleth in you. Woo! Amen. And shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Y'all remember this verse, Psalm 23. If you know it, say it out loud with me. I know, I know, I know y'all white folks, but y'all help me, okay? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. What did he say? For thou art with me. Isn't that a blessing to know that when we're in the middle of the valley, when it seems like everything has gone wrong, Christ, God, the Holy Ghost, they are with us. Amen. Isaiah 41, verse number 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Again, we talked, uh, um, uh, uh, Nick, we talked about Charles Spurgeon back here. 
Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about Isaiah 41, verse number 10. It's a little lengthy, so y'all stay with me. I I thought about even giving you a choice, but I'm just going to lay it on you because I sat there with coffee in hand, with a pounding headache, trying my best not to fall asleep. But I got to hold this, Brother David. (laughs) It blessed me. Listen to what he says now. Talking about Isaiah 41, verse number 10. He said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. Let us hear the Lord Jesus speak to each one of us. He says, I will help thee. It is but a small thing for me, thy God, to help thee. Consider what I have done already. What? Not help thee? Why, I bought thee with my blood. What? Not help thee? I have died for thee. And if I have done the greater, will I not do the less? Help thee. It is the least thing I will ever do for thee. I have more and will do more. Before the world began, I chose thee. I made the covenant for thee. I laid aside my glory and became a man for thee. I gave up my life for thee. And if I did all this, I will surely help thee now. Y'all getting what I'm laying down here? He says, um, he says, he says something else here. Um, I, I, I have bought for thee already, if thou hadst need of a thousand times as much help, I would give it thee. Thou requirest little compared with what I am ready to give. Y'all think about that. Well, I've had some mighty big requests of God. But in the grand scheme of things, they were but a little bit. He said, I want to read that again. He says, thou requirest little compared with what I am ready to give. Tis much for thee to need, but it is nothing for me to bestow. Y'all ain't getting this. This is blessing my ever-loving socks off. I got my green pokey dotted socks. I'm telling you, I'm feeling it. He said, help thee, fear not. If thou wert an ant at the door of thy granary, asking for help, it would not ruin thee to give him a handful of thy wheat. And thou art nothing but a tiny insect at the door of my all-sufficiency. I will help thee. That's what C.H. Spurgeon said about Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Number three, we're facing this giant of loneliness. Number three, realize that there are some times of loneliness and trial that only you and the Spirit can understand. There are some times that Scripture teaches us to bear one another's burdens, but there are some burdens that cannot be shared by some man or another woman. It is something that only you and God can walk through and bear alone. And in this giant of loneliness, there are days that it is only you and God that can understand this. Let's look back at our text now. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. So listen, we only see in, in the, this context, you can read the rest of it on your own, but we only see three of the temptations. Now, he was tempted for 40 days, 
In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, we mentioned this uh, chapter 4, rather, verse 15. He says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. So we understand by the writer of Hebrews' words that those 40 days, it was more than just those three temptations that we see. But for whatever reason, God understood that we didn't need to know about all of them, just those three. But there are some things that must be borne by no other man than by you and the Spirit. There are some things that cannot be understood by your brother or your sister, your wife or your husband, your mother or your father or your children. It is only something that you can understand. The, uh, we talked about unemployment there in the in the very beginning of this thing. We we mentioned the, today that in a Christian home, it is the the duty of a man, the husband, to provide for his family. And if that man, that breadwinner, if you will, is ever without a job, and and you find yourself helpless, and and you've went out and you've tried to work and you've tried to do and you've tried to make ends meet, it it it, it doesn't make sense to somebody on the outside. Uh, that well, just go get a job or go do something, go work. Well, it's 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 a lot easier said than it is done. But that loneliness of unemployment, when you feel like a failure as a man, you feel like a failure as a husband or as a father. It is a loneliness that cannot be understood unless you go through it yourself. And that goes for ladies as well. It, it is it is one of those examples that it is difficult. To share the loneliness of that isolation, if you will. So realize that there are some times of tests and loneliness that only you and the Spirit can understand. Number four, rejoice that usefulness, all this bless me, rejoice that usefulness follows the loneliness of the wilderness. I'm going to say that again. Rejoice that usefulness follows the loneliness of the wilderness. Let's look back at our text, Luke chapter number 4. We told you that he was tempted for 40 days. Now there's some unread text here. We look now in verse number 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Y'all catch that, don't miss that. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee... And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. There was usefulness that followed the loneliness in the wilderness. We must submit ourselves to this progression. When we find ourselves facing this giant of loneliness... We may battle it, we may fight with it, we may ask God why, and we may stumble through it, and we may drag through it, and we may not understand these things, but we must come to the realization that we are there for a reason, and that though we may feel all alone, God is there with us. He has placed us there for a purpose and we will come out of this thing whether anybody else understands it or not. That was point number three. But now we must understand that once we are out of this valley or wilderness of loneliness, there now is usefulness. There's now usefulness. Usually, we are prepared to tell the Lord when enough is enough. Boy, I've said, all right, God, I've had enough. 
And God, God's really convicted me of that because I, I don't like pain. I don't like discomfort. I don't like any of those things. And I'll be the first to tell you that. And so when it, when it kind of comes, I'm like, Lord, it, okay, I got you. This is enough. And sometimes that's when those screws tighten a little bit tighter. And he says, I'm not done. You still got some things I got to work out. Y'all, some of y'all men and some of y'all youngins are kind of understanding what I'm saying, shaking your head. And those screws get a little tighter. That vice gets a little bit tighter. He says, I, no, I, you're, you're moving too much. Let me put a little tighter grip on you so I can really work with you and really grind and really weld, really get you fitted the way that I want you to be. Y'all understand where I'm coming from. And so during this time, we're, we're quick to say enough is enough. We're quick to say, okay, God, I'm prepared for whatever you want me to do. But that's not his pattern. He alone knows when our wilderness is to conclude and our usefulness is to begin. God alone. I, uh, several years ago, was in Seymour, Tennessee. And there was a little little shop and they sold some pottery and different things. And I love coffee and I love coffee cups. But I don't like handles on my coffee cups. I know it's weird. I just don't. I told you I'm weird on the outside. Brother David keeps his goofiness inside. I just like to hold it. I know it's hot, but I... And I found me one. It was the right size, about eight eight or nine ounces. I mean, just perfect. And uh, I use it for coffee, and I use it to take my medicine and stuff. I'm old enough. I take medicine every night, every morning. I'm to that age. Y'all... Y'all get ready. It's a blessing. And yesterday I did something, and 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 this is a little pot, a little piece of you know clay cup. Yesterday I did something, got dirty, and I, I rushed in, and there was a little pump of soap, and I, I was trying to get it in a hurry and wash my hands, and and when I did, it, I knocked the soap over, and it knocked my cup over, and the cup busted into four pieces, and I just sat there, water running. Soap and grease everywhere and my cup broken. And my first thought is, can I fix this? My second thought is, wonder if that potter, yeah, potter is still around. I wonder if she can fix it or he can fix it. Then I got to thinking, and I don't know if y'all remember this, but I got to thinking about that Kintsugi that I preached about some time ago. (laughs) I can't even, (laughs) I'm about to run, David. Hang on. I'm grabbing you with me. I got to thinking about the last part of that message. Man, it does me good. That thing that is broken, that piece of pottery that is broken, that is no use to anyone. The master of Kintsugi takes it and he grinds down all the rough edges. He puts it back together and and Jody, it doesn't fit right because now those edges that would hold the piece in together that possibly could be glued back together, now they're, they're, they're smooth and so there's gaps there and it's not ever going to fit back together. But he takes the Urashaw oil, if you're allergic to poison ivy, you know what I'm talking about. He takes that Urashaw oil and he, he begins to put it, it's a rosin and it's sticky. He puts it on there and he puts those pieces that do not fit perfectly together. But he puts them there and all of that rosin begins to gush out and it looks horrible. It looks worse than it ever has before. He lets it dry and he, he uses an abrasive, Brother Jim, and he, he sands it down even more. Get ready, Brother David, I'm coming. He sands it even more. Then he takes a little bit more of that irritant. 
Now, y'all, y'all put yourself in the position of this broken piece of pottery. You feel like you were once useful. Now you've been broken. Now somebody's come along and they've sanded you down. You're, you've been, a, you've had abrasive applied to you. Now you've got an, an irritant applied to you. You're pressed back together. You look worse than you ever have before. Then here he comes again. Now he's got more sandpaper and he smooths it all down. And you, you finally get past all that, but then he brings that irritant back out. He brings that Urashaw oil, that, that, uh, that, whatever I called it a minute ago, that rosin, and he, he places a, a fine line on that crack. But then he does something unexpected. He takes powdered gold, and he applies gently to that wet rosin. And to now, all of your flaws, whoo, all, <laughs> I'm going, going, all, all of those imperfections that you feel like I'll never be the same again, and you never will. But now they're all shining for the world to see. But now it doesn't look like a crack. It looks like a piece of art. <laughs> and it can only be done by a master. So I thought about my cup. And I thought, where can I get your shawl? Oh. Where can I get powdered gold? I was thinking about getting in Lori's jewelry box. But I feel like maybe I've bought her some knockoff stuff. Might not even be real. I don't know. But I thought, man alive, if somehow, some way, this can be done to this cup and save this cup, I may have paid $7 for it. There's no wonder. There's no wonder, Samuel, we get excited about what God's done for us because He paid more than $7. He paid for us with His life. (laughs) Oh, glory. He takes our broken hearts and our broken bodies and He he mends it and He makes it and He he does it. And even once we're saved and we we break and we, we shatter and we're broken people, God puts us back together and all of those scars He highlights with gold. There's, there's two little pieces, Brother David. One's just a sliver. One's just a little, and the, and, 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 and the little sliver, it goes in the, in the top on the outside, but there's a little chunk that goes on the inside, and it perfectly fits in a hole. They, they would discard that. It's not needed. Because now in place of that hole, there's, there's plenty of Urashaw oil, and there's plenty of gold to cover that imperfection. And when you see it on the shelf, you don't see a $7 piece of pottery. You see a priceless piece of artwork. Y'all listen, because it was touched by the Master. You see, in this, this battle, this giant of loneliness, understand that as you're going through it, you may feel unuseful, you may feel like your life is wrecked, like you'll never be used again, but after the touch of the Master, being filled with the Holy Ghost, He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After He was tempted, after He was wearied, the devil departed in verse 15, 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. All of the loneliness in the battle was changed into usefulness afterwards. Joseph, he's a life study of isolation, loneliness, uncertainty. He was cast into a pit 
He was sold into the prison or sold as a slave. He was lied about and cast into prison. He was passed over by the butler. He was forgotten about. Finally, he was placed in a position of power. He was second in command. And Joseph expressed, he even, he even, he knew where he was. He knew what was going on. But in Genesis 40, verse 14, he cried out to God, but, or cried out to the butler. He said, but think on me when that, when it shall be well with thee and show kindness, I pray thee unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. He was in the, the, the clutches of the giant of loneliness and he said, bring me out, get me out of here. But God didn't do it just as he planned. But God did bring him out. What was the turning point? Maybe when his hope turned to God instead of to the butler. That's what we tend to do some, so many times. We, we hope for everyone else to help us instead of fully depending on God to help us. Satan's goal is to deplete your power. But God's design is to magnify His power in you. He told the Apostle Paul, he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. And he went on to say that my strength, God's strength, Christ's strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you're weak, when you are weak, in Christ you're strong. The times of separation, of isolation, of battles, of giants, of loneliness, they can be for a much higher purpose. They can be a time of preparation for a future plan that God has for you. James 1, verse 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Every test that you fall into, that you are placed into, God is preparing you for something else. I ask you tonight, are you in a point in life where you seem to be battling this giant of loneliness. And it comes at all ages. You young ladies, you young men, you may find yourself there now or tomorrow. You young married couples or soon-to-be married couples, you will find yourself in the house with the love of your life. But your life has been turned upside down where you used to have privacy of your own home or your own bedroom, now you're sharing it. And, and though you're together with someone, there seems to be just a, a loneliness at times. You, you just don't know what, what to do. For our older adults, there's that separation that comes with death. For adults that have raised children, they go off to college, there's that empty nest syndrome. and They may go to college or they may get married or go to the military or something along those lines. There's a loneliness there. Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. This hope is the joyful expectation that we shall see His face and it will brighten ours. That's what that hope means. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There are two different words here. 
hope over yonder, and hope here in Romans. This is that joyful expectation of seeing His face. Let's read the verse again. Now the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The God of hope. The God of joyful expectation that one day you will see Him. That's one of His names. The God of hope. You're going to see me face to face one day. Psalm 42, 5 and verse number 11. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. He pretty much says the same thing in verse number 11, but he ends, For I shall yet praise Him who is who is the healer of my countenance and my God. When you're in this battle of loneliness, look up. Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Somebody prayed that this morning. Look to Jesus. The face of God can brighten yours. Do you find yourself isolated? Do you find yourself lonely? Uh, do you find yourself in the wilderness? Well, look to Him. Trust in Him. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have wonderings. You're going to have questions of why. But through it all, look to Him. Our text said that Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. He had done nothing wrong to deserve the wilderness. This was God's plan all along. Elijah, he had done nothing wrong on Mount Carmel. God blessed and God meted out judgment to the quote-unquote bad guys, the prophets of Baal. He had done great things, but now he had fled from Jezebel. Moses did not do anything wrong to end up in Midian. He had fear of Pharaoh and what he'd do. So see, these giants of loneliness... Yes, I'm certain that they could come from our own doings. We could dig our own hole if you, if you get my drift. But many times they're by God's design. And so I encourage you, if you're facing the battle, if you're facing the giant of loneliness, remember who put you there. Remember who is there with you. Don't focus about who is not there. Remember that not everybody's gonna understand. And remember that usefulness after the loneliness is sure to come. Let's stand tonight. I hope tonight that you've been blessed and been touched by, by something this evening. And uh, I hope that today has been a blessing for you. It's been a blessing for me. And I appreciate you being here.